What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley, and you are listening to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast, where we share with you the underground ninja skills and tactics that the top sales and marketing leaders are using to create financial and lifestyle freedom. And the question that everybody is asking is, how do I create financial and lifestyle freedom for me? That is the question, and this show is the answer. What is happening, everybody? Uh, this is Ryan Staley with the Sales and Market Built Freedom Show. I have a very, very special guest today. I have Aaron Crawl. Aaron is the former brand manager at L'Oreal. He's a former VP of Marketing and Lead Generation Specialist, working with numerous SaaS companies. On top of it, he's also the founder of the SaaS Growth Accelerator and is, is not, only, not only helping companies accelerate through SaaS growth, but also is a SaaS founder with a new software tag that he's created. So I'm looking forward to getting into this, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Ryan. So good to be here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going live in multiple places. Uh, haven't done the, the old live stream on StreamYard in a while for the uh, podcast show, so I'm excited. So looking yeah. forward to, to chopping this up with you, man. So can you give everybody your superhero origin story so you can have a little better background um, on some of the amazing things that you've done kind of over the course of your career? Yeah. So I guess, you know, I, I've, I started out uh, with my own agency. Um, a lot of people in the in the Growth Hacks group know my story. But if you don't know the story, it's um, uh, I started out with my own agency. I did video production and then I moved to doing uh, agency work. And then at some point, I, I kind of got fed up with serving every single market and solving this, you know, a thousand different pains for a thousand different types of companies. So uh, I finally um, decided to niche down. Uh, I started a group called SaaS Growth Hacks, which is where this is being one of the places this is being uh, pushed. Um, and this is my group. I started this about five or six years ago and it's at 27,000 members now and uh, and that's the kind of the market that I that I decided to go into. And at the time, I did not have a SaaS product. I you know I didn't know a ton about SaaS really. I remember some of the first conversations I had. Uh, I would just cold email SaaS founders, and I would say, "Hey, I'm trying to get into SaaS. Would you talk to me about some of the problems you're having?" And I remember some of the um, uh, people that I talked to were, were dropping all these terms, and I just felt like so completely inadequate and out of my league talking to these founders um, who were generous enough to like get on the phone with me and just say, and just talk to some random guy who wanted to learn more about SAS. Um, and, but, but over the past five years, I, I feel like I've finally uh, have a pretty good grip on the market spoken to, I don't know, I would say at least a thousand SAS companies uh, and worked with hundreds of them. And um, over the past few years, I've uh, interviewed hundreds of companies. I've worked with hundreds. And after looking at all of this data, synthesized what I believe to be is like the 20% of things that a SaaS company can do to get massive growth quickly. Out of all the, the things that you could do as a SaaS company, um, I've narrowed it down to a 20% that, uh, that make the biggest impact and um, now what we're doing is we're looking for SaaS companies who we think we can help. And then we go in and we implement that 20% for them uh, with like a guaranteed revenue increase. So that's kind of my background story. I love that, man. I, and I didn't know, I mean, because we, we chatted a little bit before 
uh, that's kind of how we met through through your group, which I think is absolutely amazing that you've 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 gotten you know twenty six thousand people in a group. So kudos to you just for making that happen, man. That's that's a big feat within itself. And then I didn't know you had like over a thousand conversations. So I'm excited to go deep. I'm excited to hear your uh, your Pareto principle that you're talking about. You know the eighty twenty rule, which is I'm I'm a huge believer in that and yeah. implement a lot of that within my stuff as well when I'm working with SaaS founders. So um, would love to get into that. So, you know, you've had these conversations, you've worked with hundreds, you've talked to thousands. What is the number one biggest mistake? Or if you want to say the top three biggest mistakes that, that you see founders make, what, what would you classify those as? It could be one or the top three. You just mentioned um, I brought it up. Yeah, I, there's, there's a lot. And it really depends on... Um, you know, I, that question's a tough one. Cause it's kind of like going up to a doctor and saying, what are the top three best medicines? <laughs> so you're saying right? it's kind of a loaded question. Is that you? And I know that's not the intention, but, um, uh, you know, I can't recommend like three medicines. I have to kind of know what, what your situation is and what you're suffering from. Right. But I can tell you with the SaaS companies that we work with, the ones that we look at, the ones that we kind of, um, can help the most are usually they meet three criteria. One is they are usually the best kept secret in their market. Second is that they are succeeding despite themselves. And three is they have incredible use cases or customer stories or customers that would tattoo their name of their brand on their arm. Wow. That's um, strong. Yeah. So they have to have, if they meet, if, if they meet those three criteria, usually the mistakes that they're making are one is they don't have product market fit yet. They don't know who they can serve the most. Um, uh, so that's the first thing. If you can identify out of your current customers, you find the customers that have paid you the most money that have been around the longest. You talk to them, you ask them if you want the interview questions, I'm happy to send them to whoever's listening to this. Um, you can just, go to my Facebook page, hit me up on Facebook or whatever, and I'll send you the interview questions that we go through to, to like dig deep into those users to find out what is the pain we're actually solving for them. Um, and one of the questions we ask is, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a little secret. This is a secret question. All right. All right. What um, is it? <laughs> we ask them, we ask them, uh, what is the most you'd be willing to pay for this SaaS product? Oh, and um, like for their own product is what you're saying or? We ask the customers this. Oh, their customers. Yeah. Oh, I like that, man. I like that. It's a bold question. It's a tough question to ask. Um, we're doing this right now with one of our clients and we have not had one. We've had one. Sorry. We've had one customer out of all the conversations we've had. Everyone said that they would pay double what they're paying right now and wouldn't even question it. Wow. Like, I don't know, like, like for this founder, this was such a huge aha moment for him because he realized that he's, he is, he could easily double his revenue and still maintain the same amount, theoretically, the same amount of conversions and retention. I mean, obviously you have to kind of reposition the product more. You have to have a better activation and onboarding sequence and you have to show the value of the product. But assuming all that is true, you can raise the price uh, and his customers won't wouldn't really care. Now he's not going to do that to his current customer base. He's going to probably do it for future customers, but that's a huge one is the founders that we work with usually undervalue their service and don't realize how valuable it is to their customers. So 
that'd be the second one. And then I think the third one would be um, not leveraging partnerships. Um, I think, I think I know you're big on this too, Ryan is um, oh, yeah, definitely. partners and partnerships. Um, the clients we'd like to work with are the ones that um, have partners out there that would love to work with them because they saw the major problem because our clients solve a major problem that the partner has that they can't solve and it gets their clients to have better results with their product and it makes them look like the hero. And um, if those things combine together, we can, we can achieve some really incredible results if they meet those criteria and if they find the right partners and increase the price to the right spot. And if they can um, increase the perceived value of the product. So I would say those are probably the three things for the clients that we work with that have the biggest impact. I love that, man. That's, that's unique. That is not where I thought you were going to go. So how, how many, which is, which is why it's, it's great. Would you be cool sharing that? Um, I know you said uh, you'd be open to sharing it. Would you be cool if we put like a link in the show notes or something like that as well? Oh, so if people wanted to grab those questions, they could yep. get access to it and then find out more about you and your, and your group as well along the way. So, so we'll put that just for, for, for you, the listener, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Uh, however, I want to dig deeper on, man, on that, man, because I'm intrigued. So I love the fact that they're, they're solving such a big problem that the customer value is at, at double what they're currently being charged. How, how, how consistent is that? Is that what you've seen across the board time in and time out? Or what, what have you seen over a larger sample size besides just the most recent example? Um, I would say, generally speaking, most SaaS companies are undercharging. I would say that. Um, I would also say that most most of those companies cannot just increase the price of their product without getting um, blowback from their audience <laughs> or new customers. I don't ever recommending raising your price for current customers unless, again, unless there's certain, uh, you know, you, you want to, you know, take into account different variables and all that. But, but yeah, I would say most SaaS companies are undercharging. Because uh, usually the people that build SaaS products are like they're developers and engineers and creative. They may not think of themselves as creative people, but they are. They're using the side of their brain that's very creative. I cannot, I'm creative more on the, the left side of my brain, I guess. I don't, I don't know which side is which. More of the <laughs> I think it's the creative right? side and I think the right yeah, side. Yeah. The artistic, side. artistic side. When you think creative, you think artistic, but creative can be how you build things with code and how you put things together. And so typically creative people don't value the stuff that they make, right? Look at all these painters in the past that just burned their paintings to, um, to survive, right? And now they're selling for millions and millions of dollars. Generally speaking, artists and the creative people like developers and, um, and the art, art, artistic people don't value their product. Uh, they don't understand the value. And so, um, and a lot of them are not too afraid, but, but just, they, they, they have big hearts. So they want everyone to get access to their tool. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so they want to, they want to lower the price. They want to make it easier to access. And they feel like because competitors are crushing them, even though they have a better product, they feel like the only way they can compete is by lowering the price. And so they're fed all this misinformation from all these marketers and, and, you know, for other SaaS people, they see what's going on in the market and they see, oh, well, we need to offer discount codes. We need to do special deals and special offers. Um, 
and they've tried all that stuff and they bring in worse and worse clients because they're, they're lowering their price. They bring in bad clients. They churn faster, but it's amazing what happens when you, uh, when we can figure out who the market is that you're solving the biggest pain for. And even here's another really big aha moment for a lot of founders is if you can solve a pain for a market that uh, no one is solving, then you automatically have kind of a mini monopoly. My, my mentor, um, Travis Sago says, the, you know, he uses this term, the mini monopoly, which is like, they're the only, you're the only ones that can turn to to solve this problem. So you could technically charge whatever you want, but you wouldn't, you, you charge what it's worth, obviously. Um, but that's usually more than what you think it's worth. And so when you get to that point, you can comfortably charge more. You can go after the right market. You attract the better customers. They stick around longer mm-hmm. and it's easier to find them because now you know who you're going after. Oh yeah. I, I, well, I agree with you. I mean, have you read the book, uh, play bigger? Have you heard of that book? Yeah, it's, it's actually, I haven't read it. It's on my, it's in my list. Of Kindle books. It's a great book, man. I gotta, I gotta relook at it. It's one of those books. I think you gotta go through a couple of times, but it's exactly what you're talking. It's about becoming the category mm-hmm. king. Oh yeah. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I have read that. That was a, that was a great, that was a great book. Yeah. yeah. That was strong. So, so that's what it kind of reminds me of what you're talking about there. Um, and then in terms of prices and, and I literally, I'm not, I just went over this. I presented to about 500 vice presidents, chief revenue officers last week. And one of the things that I talked about was messaging, kind of like what you're, what you're discussing and in terms of, I should say messaging is incorporating like the value of your solution. And so there's a, you know, for the founders listing, something that is a, an amazing uh, equation that, that I used to go from zero to 30 million in ARR in less than six years was basically you take, you kind of have the big promise up top, which I'm sure you're familiar with that, the big outcome, right? Then you, you add that with the certainty of the solution being solved. And then from there, you also have the um, underneath it, it's how fast you can deliver the result and then how little hassle is incorporated in that result. So basically you want to increase the top and then decrease the bottom. And there's a book called a hundred million dollar offer by Alex Hermosi, which is pretty cool too. So um, that was really good. I, I recommend that for all founders too, the for SaaS founders, it's not specifically written for SaaS, but it's written for offers and, and everybody, every business makes offers, no matter what business you are. So, Oh yeah. yeah, 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 right. yeah. So um, awesome, my man. Well, well, let's go a little bit deeper and uh, welcome to everybody that's joining us. I see some people popping up in the comments. So uh, I'm trying to navigate uh, going deep on air and while, while also looking at the comments. So, um, but anyways, so, so let's go back to, to kind of what you were talking about. Um, so we talked about price and obviously, the bigger the problem you solve, the more that you could charge. And I know what you're saying is over time, most people undervalue their art or their their solution. So uh, one of the parameters that, that I've seen work really well is if you could 10x, if, if, you, if you could solve a problem, let's say for a million dollars, then you could charge $100,000 for that solution, right? So you want to like 10x the outcome of, of what you're providing. Hello, and I appreciate you listening to the show today. I love my listeners and I love helping my customers. One of the things that I've been able to do with some of the customers that I've been working with is, for example, a $6 million SaaS company, help them implement a seven-figure sales system in which they got a one and a half month ROI on the entire engagement fee that I offered them 
by one person spending 25% of their time. And this person wasn't even in sales. So these are core principles that help me scale from zero to $30 million in annual recurring revenue with only four people. In addition, another client that I'm working with was able to 10x their licensing fee, their SaaS licensing fee, and they are really, really just on the early side of starting. So if you're interested in learning more, apply through www.scalerevenue.io forward slash apply, www.scalerevenue.io forward slash apply. Look forward to seeing your application. If you are interested in qualify, you'll receive a follow-up note and we can jump on the phone and identify what the opportunity is exactly for you and your organization. However, Aaron, on the, on the partner side, and, and yeah, I'm a big believer of this as well. Can you expand a little bit on what you meant with that? With, you know, first you talked about increasing the price. Let's talk about the partnership angle, man. So we, we've kind of broken down partnerships into three different categories. The first one we, um, we call channel partners and a channel partner is someone that you talk to that already has built your audience that just promotes you to their audience. It says, mm-hmm. hey, this is a great product. Um, like, we want you to do it. And keep in mind, there's some overlap between these, but um, sure. it, helps, it helps, you know, the way that my mind works is I have to have things in buckets and like categories for me in, in order for me to like, get stuff done. If I just think of go get channel part or, you know, go build partnerships. It's like my mind doesn't work like that. I have to think what kind of partners, um, what is the value I'm providing to each one of these partners? Uh, where do I find them? Um, what's the strategy? So each one of these buckets has a different strategy. So the channel partners is where we just, um, find people who have a really have a similar audience. And then we say, Hey, can we see if we can promote our product to your audience or vice versa? Then we have a little bit, uh, deeper level, which is content partners. Content partners is more of like um, you have one of the one of the strategies that we do is the first thing that we do when we start marketing is we go in and find all of the articles and listicles and blogs that talk about the top 10 blank products in the market. So if you're a CRM, it's like the top 10 CRMs. If you're like a HR management, top 10 HR management tools. And we try to get in those lists, which is like, you know, pretty, pretty basic stuff. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of different content out there that already is getting traffic, ideal traffic. And instead of trying to create our own content and then create our own traffic source, we take those rivers of traffic and try to put our product, um, our, our lure in that river of traffic that's already there. Instead of having to carve our own river and wait for the fish to come down, because that just takes a lot longer. Um, you eventually end up owning that stream, but it takes a long time and, and we, I, we want a shortcut thing. So that's the first, first thing we do. Um, and then even one level deeper than that is what we call deep integration partners. And this is where you actually integrate your product in some way with someone else's product. So um, one example of that is like, if you look at Mailshake and Jarvis and um, a few other like content tools for marketers, they mm-hmm. have these complementary tools that are built in, um, you know, like for Jarvis, I think there's one that's like, uh, um, activate this tool to be able to distribute all the content that you create with. with Okay. So, um, now that you've created all this great content with Jarvis, here's a social media distribution tool. I can't remember exactly what it is, but that would be a good partnership for them. It's like a Hootsuite or something like that. Like a Hootsuite or, or, 
Um, or, or maybe it's, uh, um, you know, it's a, I don't know, content distribution service. I can't remember exactly what it is, but there's lots of products that you can build into your, and that, that you could put into other people's that make their product more valuable. And when you, all you need to do is get one of those relationships. When you have one relationship and then you need a, if you integrate into somebody else's product, that, uh, as long as that relationship is good, that lasts forever. You know, what I'm not a fan of is going in and doing like an article swap and then moving on to the next thing. I think the article swap is the first step to get mm-hmm. a deep integration. Um, another deep integration would be, um, and this is something we're, we're trying to do with more and more of our clients, is talk to com- uh, c- uh, complementary products and say, hey, can we offer your clients as part of your onboarding process a, a complimentary 60-day trial to our tool, which will help you have more success. Your customers will have more success with your tool, right? So, so they sign up and they say, hey, as a, as a, you know, as a gift, we'd like to give you, um, now that you have solved this problem, this new problem has come up. Um, now that you've created all this great content, now you need to get it out to people. And we partnered with someone so that you can do that free for 60 days. And here's the link sign up. It's compliments of us. It's a, you know, $400 value or whatever. Um, don't, if you don't, you don't have to continue it if you don't want it, but, um, and at least it'll help you get your content out that you create, right? Like what a, what a beautiful marriage of products that just benefits everyone. Right. Um, and so that's kind of what we work towards is that deep integration. Um, it starts with the content and the channel partners. Um, and there, there's obviously other types of partnerships too. Um, I, we haven't even talked about like, you know, um, partnerships where they invest in your company and where they buy you out. But the cool thing about integration is if you are able to integrate with a bigger company who uh, who doesn't have the time to develop this part of the tool that they need, you automatically become a potential uh, buyout for them. Mm. Right? Yeah. Um, and that happens a lot. They You'll integrate with the tool and they'll realize, wow, we need to have you um, how much, how much do you want for the, we just want to <laughs> buy you out. I mean, Facebook, Instagram, I mean, all these Google, um, they all, all these guys are just constantly buying up patents and, and technologies because they don't want to have to develop it from scratch and the technology is already there. So uh, that just doesn't happen in like the big, big VC world. It happens in, in our world, the bootstrapped founders world. Um, but that's the first step in, in getting there is, is being integrated. I love that, man. So, so you gave an example, you're talking about uh, mail, or I'm sorry, Jarvis, right? So, which I think was great from the integrated marketing perspective. Can you give examples of the, the first two that you mentioned as well uh, in terms of the channel, just for, for those listening? Yeah, sure. Channel partner. Um, we had a client uh, called eWebinar, which is a really cool um, tool. It, it automates webinars, but it has a live chat element in the um, webinar. So you can have a mix of live and recorded. They they're working with a number of companies right now in both content and channel partner. One of the relationships they've, they have is um, with Thinkific. So um, Thinkific is a, their whole thing is, is trainings and courses, right? And course builders. The problem course builders have and course sellers is that in order for them to sell their courses, they they usually do live webinars They come mm-hmm. on our live webinar and we'll teach you something. And then if you want to sign up for this course, you can sign up and that's how they sell their courses. So the problem for Thinkific's customers is they don't know how to do webinars. They don't have the time to do them. 
Um, and, and no one wants to do like the same webinar over and over and over and over again. So eWebinar came to Thinkific and said, hey, let's automate some of your webinars. And they loved them. And then they said, hey, maybe we can get this in front of your audience. And now Thinkific is pushing eWebinar to their audience and saying, if you want a way to sell your Thinkific courses without you having to be there, without you having to do the web, same webinar over and over again, Thinkific actually created a template on how to sell your course, put it into eWebinar as a template. Mm-hmm. And as a Thinkific user, you can go into eWebinar, download that template, put it in, and it's a template for how to sell your course. Mm. Nice. Gratis from Thinkific. So it's like Thinkific wins, eWebinar wins, Thinkific gets more traffic. Thinkific can push out this template and say, hey, for any course creators who want to create uh, uh, not just think of it customers, but any cust- anybody who's a course creator wants to create a webinar that they don't have to do manually. Um, here's a template for it. It's, it's free, right? You can go to eWebinar and you can, it's a you know 14 day trial. You can download it for free. It's just, there's so many, everybody wins from that relationship and it's really creative how they did that. And, and it's like, it makes so much sense to do that because you're, you're joining both audiences. Another example would be, uh, you know, for content, one of the things that I've done pretty successfully is uh, is going to listicles and saying, hey, can we somehow get in your article here? And a lot of times they're willing to do it if they if, if the, the product is complimentary, mm, if, it, yeah. if, if it's um, uh, if it's a good product. And sometimes we exchange backlinks, which is like I don't really care about the backlink so much as I do getting listed in like the article. So for eWebinar, like if you type in. Um, top customer support tools or co- to, you know, best customer, I'm sorry, best customer success tools or customer success software. Um, you'll find some articles on there where eWebinars listed in the top three where they were nowhere to be found before. And we just are leveraging the traffic that already exists. And so we have a lot of leverage too, right? So we can go to one of these companies and say, let's push your company out to our audience. Um, just think about all of the things that you have access to that you're not leveraging and all of the things other companies have access to all the resources they have access to that they're not leveraging there. There's no way these companies are, are leveraging their audience to the full amount, right? Like they're only selling this audience one product, even, I mean, look at Google, Google, they're constantly adding new products to their service because they know that they could always be solving more problems and they have the team to be able to do that. But you know, why not just partner with people, instead of building out the products yourself and solve lots of problems and get compensated for it and get your product in front of their audience and then their product in front of your audience, if it's a good fit. Um, uh, yeah. There's, so those are just a few different ways to, to do that. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think you, you, you gave great examples and, and like what I think when you, when you're talking about partnership is like, if you look at the, the only company to hit two, tri- two trillion in market cap, before even another company hit a trillion in market cap is Apple, right? And Apple's primary source of revenue is what? The App Store. <laughs> so they make most of their money off the App Store yeah. and they don't yeah. develop a single app, right? It's the same way with Amazon, right? Amazon's got like a 30% VIG, I think, off of everything that's on there. And you, oh, check this out, Aaron. You, you, you probably geek out on this like me. I saw this and it made it almost like almost jumped out of my skin. Guess how much advertising. Amazon's getting now. How much revenue from advertising now? I would say 60 to 70%. 
But guess guess the revenue number. Do you know what the revenue number oh, is? The revenue number? Oh, I have no idea. Um, five billion. Dude, thirty billion. Wow. Thirty billion. So it's like more than Twitter, Snapchat, and then like wow. a few other companies combined. I saw that it was like a couple of weeks ago. And you know what they did? So once they developed the marketplace, essentially they took what used to be the recommended product based on user reviews, and they substituted that with that's the sponsored section now. That's all they did, right? And then they added oh. a couple other sponsorship pieces. Yeah. So I they get that. thirty billion with a B a year from advertising. And it's wow. um it's one of those things that I was like, oh holy cow. Like and you know what's shot. crazy is like all they do is provide the real estate. Yeah. I mean, it, it's what it's taken them billions of dollars to get to the point where they have that amount of traffic, right? Yeah. But on a smaller scale, if we if you look at if the question you ask yourself as a founder is, um, what real estate is currently being unused in my market in my world that I could go in and leverage while also benefiting someone else? You start thinking in the partnership um, yeah. strategy. Yeah, yeah, I I can see that. So. So, which is a great question. So where do you see the most unused real estate then? There is a ton of unused real estate in expired trials. Which is what we were talking about. That's, that's what kind of kicked this whole thing off is why. Yeah. So, so talk, talk through that. I'd love to hear about that, man. I would say, um, you know, for a lot of companies they have, I, one of our clients has a million customers that, that have signed up over the past 10 years that aren't paying anymore or, or whatever. Um, and they all meet certain criteria, right? They're all interested in X product. We all know they have X interest in an X, you know, outcome, right? Um, so if they meet these certain criteria, what other product or what other thing can we provide them that would help them solve more of their problem? What I don't like to think about is, is who, who can we bring on as affiliate and how much money can we make from this audience? I don't, that's not the right way to think about these relationships, especially mm -hmm. Um, in the affiliate affiliate marketing world, if you come from that world, it's like, let's just promote as many products as we can. We don't, you know, <laughs> let's not look at the quality of the product. Let's just promote one product after the next. But if right. you find some re like really good product and dude, like if you have a million people on your list that don't buy your product and you think, oh man, I just found a really great product that I think they'd love, approach that company and say, I want to promote your tool to my audience because if mine wasn't a fit, but yours might be a really good fit for them. Or if it's a complimentary tool, say, hey, if you liked, if you're interested in finances, um, you might also be interested in productivity. And, and I wanted to introduce you to something really cool, which I found, and I thought you'd like it. And here's, um, I worked out a deal for you. Like that's one way to do it. Um, and that's kind of like a one-time right. thing. And I, I don't, I think that's a good at the beginning. Um, so expired trial users is a big one. And you can also... I mean, if you have a retargeting list, that's real estate that you can rent to another company, right? Um, you can share Facebook audiences on Facebook with other people and they don't get access to your customer information. They don't get access to your e the customer's emails, names. They get access to nothing. They only get access to this custom audience that they've built already. And so Maybe there's some way you can work out, hey, if, if we get, I'll give you access to my custom audience so that you can market to your, to my audience without giving uh -huh. away information. And I want to get listed in this the, as the number one resource in your blog, or I want to, um, I want to do a podcast, or I want to, um, can, can you give every single user that signs up for your tool on the thank you page? Um, can you put a little coupon that says if you're, uh, if you'd like to try, 
if you love this tool, you might want to try this tool. Like there's so many things that you can do, leverage each other's assets. Um, uh, and it's, it's all about, I think, I think there's so much real estate, but what I would look at is where's your traffic currently congregating? Where do they spend their time? What are they looking at? Um, cause those are rivers. We call those, um, I got this from Bark Joiner. They're called trend. They're called traffic streams streams of traffic. And then within those traffic streams, there's transaction points. So there's people making transactions. A transaction is like a, an exchange with one thing between one thing or another. It could be money. It could be an email. It could be just a click. Um, how can you get integrated into those transaction points and traffic streams? There's lots of creative ways to do that. Like I was looking at um, one really interesting marketing opportunity that I found recently was um, uh, uh, Product Hunt ads. Like Product Hunt is a is a great place to market and advertise for an audience that wants to be, you know, that where they value uh, being first adopters and they're, you know, they're tech people. Um, but not just that, like pretty much, uh, you know, anywhere your, your audience currently is. Um, but, but the challenge is, I'll go back to like the, the problem. The challenge is most SaaS companies don't know who their audience is or where they're hanging out. And mm -hmm. so they're just, they're just creating more and more and more content, hoping their audience finds them. But once you narrow in on who the person is that you want to serve, then you can start finding out where they hang out and then put your product. And there's lots of creative ways to put it there, you know, like in the, you know, at the thank you page as an onboarding email, <coughs> um, as a free download, you know, on somebody else's site. Um, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different ways to do that. Love that, man. So, so where do you think most, most SaaS founders hang out? Cause I'm sure, I mean, just everybody listening to this wants to know, I mean, your group obviously is a great, obviously one, my right? group. <laughs> so, yeah. But like, like SaaS founders want to talk to other SaaS founders as well, you know? So like what, what are other areas that you think are, are great places where they congregate? Not, I could share. I mean, I have some ideas too. Oh man, there's, there's, there's a lot of great places. I mean, conferences are a big one. Huge. Saster, Sastock, um, Business of Software. There's all these conferences that are just hot. They're just, it's amazing to just go talk to people and meet people. A lot of these places have their own communities. Um, there's a lot of uh, Slack channels that are focused on SaaS and growth hacking. And um, there's... So tons of really good communities out there. Uh, I would also, one of the things um, I, I've noticed that there's a lot of, uh, you know, so, so SaaS people, if you're targeting the developer type, they spend a lot of time on GitHub. Mm -hmm. Spend a lot of time on, you know, uh, looking at sites that have to do with like development and, you know, uh, Jira and all this. And so, these are, that's where they're hanging out. That's where they're spending most of their time, you know? Um, and so there's just like, you know, and then, and, and also just knowing who your target is and then simply doing some outreach to them too. I mean, that's a really, um, I think it's an underutilized source within SAS, especially for lower ticket, because it really, the, the idea is it doesn't make a lot of sense to go reach out to $9 a month clients or $20 a month clients one-on-one. -on -one. But if you go to reach out to partners with your outreach and each one of those partners has access to 10,000 of your clients, that's a different story. Right. right. So, 
Um, so yeah, I mean, reaching out to them. And then uh, if you don't know, just, um, we had a really cool experience a couple of days ago where we interviewed a customer, one of our clients interviewed one of their users and they shared their screen with us. And we got to see all of their browser um, <laughs> bookmarks. Oh, that's awesome. Like, ding, ding, ding. We had like, we took a <laughs> screenshot and we looked at each one of the browser uh, bookmarks that they had. Cause those are the sites they visit often. Like if you just called your customers and said, Hey, could you, could you share with me a, your screen just to show me your, your bookmarks, right? Like you'd be able to find all the sources where they hang out. Then you, you do, you do, you know, you, you do more than one, right. And you kind of find some, um, uh, some common themes, but yeah, I mean, those are, those are some ways that we've, we've used in the past to kind of find out what well, we call them, you know, the watering holes where they hang out. <laughs> That's I love that. Um, I actually so so check this out, man. Because of what you're talking about, um, we got a twenty million dollar deal with Amazon and Whole Foods as like an unknown company, and so um, it wasn't on someone's screen per se. But we went to a meeting and it was with AT and T. We had this big meeting with AT and T. I remember one of my guys was trying to get in there for like eight months finally got in, right? We go to meet with them. They're like two hours outside of Atlanta. So it took like five, six hours just to get there, you know, taking the 5 a.m. flight. We get there and they're like, they're like, there's a bunch of people in the meeting that we never met before because it's at a company that big, there's a lot of different players involved in like enterprise deals. And so they came in, right? And the guy's like, you know what? I really like your solution. You guys are, this looks really cool. However, long story short, like I try to turn that meeting into a not a flop but to something i asked the guy i'm like hey what's the number one you know or what's the best group that you like or hang out with are there any peer groups and he told us of one he was on the board of and we actually sponsored it and then met like millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of um of customers at those events so anyways it's crazy yeah. so you know, Hello. and, and it. it's it, and and a lot of companies are like you probably did that and didn't realize what you were doing at the time. Like now you have a name for it and like a strategy, but a lot of founders are doing this and they don't even realize they're doing it and they feel like they're cheating. Like it's a cheat. It's like the cheat. <laughs> like they need to do Facebook ads. They need to go do the hard slog and get users one by one. And I'm telling you, you don't have to. Like it's just take the shortcut. So yeah. much easier and faster. I love that, man. Absolutely beautiful. So um, anything else that I think the one thing that we didn't hit that we we, we kind of teased in the intro is, what, is why why companies should not do free trials anymore. So you got to oh, hit on man. that before we wrap up, man. Yeah. OK, so so real briefly, um, um, if you are the first SaaS company in the world, OK, and you came to market and there was no other SaaS company or all the other SaaS companies before you was like buy our CD for $500 and try our software, right? That was their like pitch. Um, a free trial would have been a novel thing, right? But fast forward, like, I don't know how many years, 10 years, right? Everyone's offering a free trial. It's no longer something that people like, it's not a novel thing anymore, right? It's not different. It's what everyone else is doing. So instead of offering a free trial, it's a little bit misleading. So still, still offer a free trial. <laughs> I mean, I would He's test. I would. He's I would whispering. test. Um, we've had many clients where they took away their free trial and had a dollar trial, and conversions went up and revenue went up. So I'm not saying 
don't do that. What I'm saying is instead of making your offer, sign up now for free, focus on the outcome of the trial, not the trial itself. So we have a client right now, they're like a financial management tool. So we're trying to position instead of start now for seven days, seven day free trial, um, uh, we're saying get control of your finances now for free. Mm, I love that, man. Um, Or uh, we have another client who does, who creates, their tool creates these process manuals and guides. Um, We say create an unlimited amount of guides you can pass off to your team free for 30 days. Right. So now it's not just a free trial. It's get this outcome in 30 days, get this outcome in 14 days, uh, because that's what people want. They want an outcome. They don't want to. The trial is default. Now, if you don't give a trial, you're you're kind of at a sometimes at a disadvantage. So instead, focus on the outcome, but still offer the trial, but don't position it as a trial position it as get this outcome for free for X amount of days. So, well, dude, so to, to round it out. Deloitte did this massive study on what buyers want now, B2B buyers. And it was something that's customized to them, easy to do. And last but not least, results-based. They want results-based. Those are the three buying criteria. So love that, man. Well, yeah. we're just about up on time. And I, I know you've got your discovery call coming up. So um, <laughs> just messing with you, man. So anyways, um, what? where can people find you? Where can they learn more about you? How can they get involved with the SaaS group? Uh, why don't you drop that, man, before we wrap, and then uh, we'll take it yeah. from there. If you just go to aaronkral.io, A-A-R-O-N, kral.io, everything that you need to know about my group and me is there. Or you can just go to Facebook, type in SaaS Growth Hacks into Facebook and find my group, join. Make sure to answer the questions so that I know that you're not a spammer. And then we'll let you in. And there's just, I would say, at least at least $10 million worth of free advice and conversations in that group alone that you can just sort through and, and find that that's a good place to start. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, I've, I've been in the group. It's uh, some great, yeah, great. It's not, it's not spammy either. You know, there's a lot, like I, I agree with you. I mean, that's one of the first things I noticed it's great engagement. So awesome. Awesome. Having you on the show. I'm looking forward yeah. to uh, connecting with you. We're doing a live web training in two weeks, right? Yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be yeah. really, can't wait to have you on. You're really exciting. I'm really excited about this. What you're so yeah, man, I'm pumped up. So, all right, brother. Well, I will let you go. It was awesome having you on the show and um, everybody else for you, the user or listener. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Cool. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources. So I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I want to ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.